good to have you with us today, and uh, we've, uh, we've had a good time of worship this morning. It's just good to have you here. Looking at, at Acts, last week I almost finished the 13th chapter, and I want to jump into the 13th chapter of Acts this morning. It says, verse 38, Therefore, my brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sin is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is justified from everything you could not be justified from by the law of Moses. Take care that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. And he's declaring that David decayed in the grave, but Jesus did not. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Why is that? Because it was prophesied that he would not see decay. And now he's saying, listen up, take in this message of the Lord Jesus Christ, or this may happen to you. Look, you scoffers, wanderers, and perish, for I am going to do something in your day, and you would never believe, even if someone told you. As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. Continue, continue in the grace of God. Now, the Jewish folks are a little upset because they are speaking to the Jews and the Jews are following Paul. They're following this new concept of a Messiah. They're following this new concept of Jesus. And it aggravates them because they don't believe in this. When the Jews saw the crowd, they were filled with jealousy and talked abusively against what Paul was saying. Doesn't matter who you are or where you're at in life. There will be opposition when you live on the positive side of life. There will always be people on the negative side of life that will take pot shots at you if you would. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, We have to speak the word of God to you first. Since the word of God to you first, since you rejected it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. Get it done. This chapter is about Paul getting it done. Get her done. Get her done. That's a phrase going back many years ago of a comedian that was kind of seedy at points in his, in his presentation, but he made that phrase famous. Get her done. And... Uh, I, I just, I think it's important that we realize that you're going to see life differently after this message. We have been so involved in, in serving Jesus and having a rose life that everything's beautiful in life. If you'll serve Jesus, everything's beautiful in life. If you serve Jesus, you'll have no suffering. And if you're suffering, it's because of sin in your life. That's not true. And today we're going to look at that concept of suffering. We're going to look at how it really is in the Word of God. 
And Paul is going through times of persecution. People are upset with him because he's changing the culture of the day. He's coming against the traditional rules of church, and he's bringing in a new, fresh anointing of the presence of God and the grace of God that empowers people to live for God. And the Jews don't like it because they are about tradition. They love tradition. And it's important that we love Jesus and let him be number one in our life and question our values whether what I'm believing in is a tradition or is it the word of God and is it Jesus and there's a fine fine line with all of that I have made you okay let me see where am I then Paul Barnabas answered them boldly you have to speak the word of God to you first since you rejected it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life we now turn to the Gentiles. This is exciting because this is where it all changes for you and I. You see, a Gentile was nothing but a dog, according to the Jewish folks. We, we didn't hold much weight with the Jews. They didn't like us because we weren't Jewish and we weren't going to turn to Judaism. Some had, but for the most part, Gentiles were just going to be Gentiles. They were not going to be touched by God at all. And so they were considered to be dogs to the Jews. And so Paul is just giving insult after insult to the Jewish faith. Not intentionally, but he's just declaring the truth. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. That's quoted out of Isaiah chapter 49. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord. And all who were appointed for eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread throughout the whole region. But the Jews incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So they shook the dust off of their feet in protest against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Getting it done. Get her done. The Jews and the Gentiles protest. The Jews and the Gentiles protest. It is amazing to me to see how that Paul and Barnabas preach a pure gospel. Lives are changed. Bodies are healed. And still, there's people upset to the point where they go out and they get a mess of people to follow them and to do everything in their power. And so they, they shake the dust off of their feet and they leave that area and they have joy and they have the Holy Spirit with them. Joy, whenever persecution comes, when the people kick you out of town, there's joy because they have accomplished their task. They have presented the gospel. They're no longer permitted to share the gospel, so they're moving on. There's joy in knowing that you have accomplished what God's called you to do. There is joy. They had joy. Deep, deep down set joy in their spirit. Why? Because the power of the Holy Spirit was upon them and miraculous things were taking place. At Iconium, chapter 14, Paul and Barnabas went, as usual, into the Jewish synagogue. This was their pattern. 
They was to take the gospel to the Jews first and then to the Gentiles. They spoke effectively that the great number of Jews and Gentiles believed. So believers came about. They heard the word of God, they heard truth, and they came to the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is exciting news. Exciting news. Exciting news. They spoke effectively with great numbers of Jews and Gentiles believing. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. Jews and Gentiles protest. These are the same group of people that are getting saved, but there's a group of them that are saying, no, we don't want nothing to do with it. I propose to you that today, there's people in our society that say, no, I don't want nothing to do with it. Sad to say, if you're under 20, you're in that group pretty strong. Because for the last 60 years, we've denounced Christianity through our news media, through our educational systems, and we've promoted sins of mankind. The church is fighting to exist. God will always have a church, and we must proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there are those who will poison the minds of others if we don't get the gospel out and touch their hearts with it. We have to become vigilant and praying for souls to be saved. We have to do our part to share our faith with others because there are others out there poisoning the minds of our population. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of the, by his grace by enabling them to do miraculous signs and wonders. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among the Gentiles and the Jews together with their leaders to mistreat them and stone them. Enemies can agree on stoning Christians. Enemies can agree on destroying the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Things have not changed. People who cannot get along will find something negative to go after. And so we have to be realizing that we will go through difficult times. But they found out about it and fled to Lyconian City, Lystra, and Derby, and to the surrounding country where they continued to preach the good news. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus came, died, buried, resurrected to new life and setting up the right hand of God the Father. That is the good news. And they kept stepping ahead of all the persecution. God kept moving them up about. But they were still being persecuted. They were still seeing people, minds not being open to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Lystra, they sat, there sat a man crippled, verse 8, crippled in his feet, who was lame from birth and never walked. Can you imagine never having the ability to walk? Some of you have had surgery and gone through stuff to where 
for a moment of time, your body is out of it and you cannot function, you can't stand on your feet. But can you imagine being your entire life not being able to walk? In verse 9, he, he listened to Paul as he was speaking, and Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed. Our faith shines out in our hearts. People hear your voice, hear the tone of your voice, hear what you say, and know that there's faith in your spirit. That we're gonna we're gonna win, we're gonna win, we're gonna win. Saw that he had faith to be healed and called out, stand up on your feet. At that, at that, the man jumped up and began to walk. Hallelujah! Even though the Gentiles are protesting, even though they're coming against it, even though they're infecting other people who haven't heard the gospel yet and trying to turn them against Paul and Barnabas, there's this tremendous anointing of God that rests upon them that as they pray, God miraculously resurrects those who are physically destroyed by sickness. All his life. And now he's walking. When the crowd saw that Paul had done, what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Don't ever give praise to human people for God's work. Why do preachers fall? Because sometimes people give them accolades and they're dumb enough to believe. And Satan takes them down the road. And so here we have it. God is miraculously doing something and some people are trying to say the gods have come down. And if you look at that, that's small g. Barnabas, they called Zeus. And Paul, they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. You see how the world wants to take and twist the truth of God's word? Want to change what God is doing by by giving praise to ungodly images and idols and pagan worship. They wanted to take the powerful anointing of God and attribute it to pagan worship. That's, that's awful. And, and here they are trying to distract Paul and Barnabas by offering sacrifices to them. But when the apostle Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, Men, why are you doing these? Why are you doing this? We too are only men, human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things of the living God and turn to the living God who have made heaven and earth, the seas and everything in it in this past. He let all the nations 
of you go your way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain and from heaven and crops in this, their seasons. He's provided you with plenty of food and fills your heart with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. God does not want self lifted up. He wants self to be humble before him and he wants himself to be lifted up. He deserves all the praise. He deserves all the glory. When we have worship service, this here is the ultimate. When we have worship service and we do this, we're saying, God, I'm not on the throne. You are. We're saying, God, you are to be praised. And I'm grateful. This means a whole lot to God. This isn't verbiage. This is declaration. God, you are greater than I am. And I give you all the praise and all the glory. I give you all the praise and I give you all the glory. Even Paul and Barnabas declaring we're human and look at your God. Look at the God who created the universe. The God who lets the rain come. The God who lets the crops come. The God who fills you and even gives you joy in your heart. He's the one to be praised. Stop this nonsense about sacrificing to us. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. Isn't it amazing how the crowd... can get a following to do stupid stuff. We, the body of Christ, must stop and ask God, where do you want me? What do you want me to be doing? Because we can be deceived to do something stupid that our carnal flesh dreams up. And if you've just said, no, I'll never do it. You're the most vulnerable person to be touched by the flesh and the power of Satan and walk away from your faith. We must all say, it's by humility that God's grace and God's mercy, I will not do such and such because God's going to empower me. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over to the point they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples, after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. It's amazing to me the power of God's grace. I don't know about you, but stones are difficult to handle. Stones are heavy. Stones hurt. And here's Paul being stoned to the point where they think he's dead and they drag his body out of the city. But the disciples gather around him and the anointing of God comes upon him and he gets up and walks out. Verse 21, they preach the good news in the city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. 
How is it? Why do good people suffer? I want to go back and why, why do good people suffer? I want to take just a moment and camp on that verse of scripture. And they stoned Paul. Paul was preaching the gospel. Isn't God supposed to protect those who are, are his and, and, and not go through suffering? We will go through suffering. Paul not only taught us that there would be joy and there would be peace and there would be the kingdom of God in our life and we could have the power of God in our life and we would have the, the present authority of the believer to triumph over trials. And uh, I, I want you to know that triumph comes in the alphabet. In, in, the, in the alphabet, if you look at the Webster's Dictionary, triumph comes after pride. Victory comes after tribulation. We will have trials. We will have difficult times. But God is still there in the times of suffering. There's not an instant victory. We're not going to experience instant victory. I know that we've been in, in instant everything. Uh, we, we have the microwave. And we can just do anything instantly. And it's just amazing. Truth of the matter is, there's nothing like good old-fashioned cooking on a wood stove. And some of the old saints would say amen. And some of you that never had that experience would say, I don't know. Haven't been there before. But the truth of the matter is, that there's a lot of things in life that are not instant. And we must recognize that God is bigger than the struggles we're facing. And we will suffer. And we've been duped to believe that because we know Jesus, we will not suffer. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5. All this is evident that God's judgment is right, and as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. It's planned for us to suffer. God is just. Now here's where it is. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you. So don't be have vengeance. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. When people persecute you and, and come against you, do not take it personally against them. Know that God will take care of it. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We will suffer, but God will be there in our suffering. He will strengthen us in our suffering. And how can we have victory? How can we do it? How can we do that suffering and still be successful? The key is, is to know and to admit, I'm suffering and I have pain. When Paul was getting stoned, it doesn't say that he jumped up and said, praise God anyhow, and then got stoned more. But I'm telling you, when you praise God when it's not fitting, meaning when you're suffering and you give God the praise, you're lifting up him and he's going to lift you up. He's going to lift you up and bring you out of that suffering. And it's, it's so important that we recognize that, that life has its difficulties. But God is the source and supply of our faith. God is the source and supply of our joy. 
And God is the source and supply of that deliverance from the opposition we're going through. And we must recognize that it's unavoidable. The human difficult suffering we go through is unavoidable. But God teaches us that we are overcomers in Christ Jesus. You'll say, but pastor, it's, it's tough. It's difficult. I, I'm going through it. God knows you're going through it. God cares for you. He loves you just where you're at. And he wants you to simply trust him and obey him. For he has a way of making a way for you that seems to be no way. You just have to keep on pressing in and knowing that he cares for you and he loves you with a tremendous love. And if you just recognize that you're not the only one suffering. You see, the devil wants to, you to believe that you're the only one. Your carnal flesh wants to whine and cry. Nobody's ever had any stuff as I had. No one's ever had to go through this. You know, when I went to school, I walked uphill both ways. You know, the old low is me type thing. But God has a plan. God has a purpose. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. Now, there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Paul was facing death at that point. And he was saying, yes, I've suffered. And yes, I've gone through difficult days. But I am going to resurrect. I am going to be empowered by God. God is going to see me through it. And God is going to help me. And I will be in heaven someday. That is the goal. I will be living in God's presence. And I will continue to be what God wants me to be. I will continue to be what God wants me to be. It's interesting to see what takes place in the rest of this chapter. Chapter 14, in verse 21, it says, They preached the good news in that city and won a large number of the disciples and they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. This is where they preached. They returned. You see, this gospel is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Paul suffered. We will suffer. Paul had joy. We will have joy. Paul had victories. We will have victories. And we must rejoice in the victories. Celebrate the victories. Last Sunday night, that fish dinner was a victory because the kids caught the fish, basically. The men cleaned it. The men helped cook it. And we had a wonderful experience having fellowship one with another. And that was a victory. Was it fun cleaning the fish? No, that was a little bit of work. It wasn't so much for me because I just took back and watched because I had some experts at it. Was it, was it a joy at 95 degrees? Working with grease outside, sweating for an hour and a half, cooking the fish? No, that was work. But it was also joy because we started tasting before everybody did to the kitchen. And it was really, really good. And so we are in the process of, of recognizing something here. Paul and Barnabas preached the gospel. People got saved. There is nothing greater than that. For the gospel to go forth and people's lives to be changed. For the positive. That they have God on their side now. God will help them through every trial. God will help them through every. And so he stops. He said he's checking on those who had come into the faith. Strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships. Oh, 
What a declaration. Encouraging stops. He stops to encourage him and says, you know, you will go through hardships to enter the kingdom of God. They said, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. After going through Poseidon, they came into Pamphylia and when they had preached the word to Pergamum and went down to Elisha, from Elisha they sailed back to Antioch and where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had committed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had appointed the door of faith, how he had opened the door, how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles that they may there be a long time with the disciples. They stayed a long time with the disciples. What happened? This book that we're looking at Chapter 14 is the declaration. The Jews got the message first. The Gentiles get it, and they get pumped excited. They are honored. They are lifted up. They have equality for the first time in their life. They just cannot believe that there's equality. But the Jews and the Gentiles heard the message. But now, since the Jews have rejected, the message is being centered upon the Gentiles. There is equality finally for the Gentiles because they're being recognized. And this is the transition chapter for Jewish people, not thinking themselves worthy for eternal life, but the Gentiles being lifted up and they're no longer second great citizens. They are equal citizenship with the Jews because that's what Jesus did. Is not a man higher than a woman. Jesus brought the woman up and made them equal. All races, all nationalities, all groups of people are equal at the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a declaration. What a change in history takes place in this chapter. Encouraging stops. Words of encouragement go a long way in life. I have a phrase that I coined cashiers to say, well, how are you doing today? I said, I'm doing great because you're here to take me care of. How important is that cashier? She can make your life miserable by charging you the wrong thing, charging you double, triple, or she can do her job and do it well. If you could give her an encouraging word that sends endorphins into her brain, into her body, and makes her feel good. And she can do a better job doing her job the right way. And when she messes up, just be gracious and say, you know what? I've had a bad day once in a while too, but God's helping me heal. And don't take it personal. Love people and encourage them. Just an encouraging word. Smile. The world is frowning. And they have a lot to frown about because they're in pain. Because they have no hope. When we have hope, we need to share that hope with others. And let them know that God cares for them. With just a simple phrase, God bless you. Do kind things. When you see something that can be, pick up the trash in the store. When something falls off, pick it back up and put it on the shelf. 
unless it's fresh fruit, then you might let somebody else take care of it. But we, we are so busy trying to take care of our own little world. And God wants us to bless somebody else. Paul and Barnabas, not only did the blessing, but they come back to encourage those who begin their life in Jesus. Why is the encouragement so important for them to come back and encourage them? Why was it important for them to appoint people and leaders in the church? Because this thing is not a flash in the pan thing. This is an everyday experience where God's word becomes our guiding force. God's word is so important. We say, but pastor, my work schedule, my house schedule, my, my everything is so busy, I don't have time. You've got to find time. Because it's this word that's going to help you minister and get things more effective. Because when your mind is settled with God, guess what? You can think clear about good decisions and what to do next and what not to do and what people to help and what people not to help. Yes, God's word is so powerful. And you pray and you let God guide you through it. The Holy Spirit lives in this word and, and, and the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and the Holy Spirit will guide you and direct you and put you in the place where you need to be. And don't be alarmed about disruptions. Allow the Holy Spirit to stop your schedule. And may you stop and say, God, is this your disruption? My schedule. I've got this schedule lined out. I've got hour by hour what I want to do, but God, it's not happening. And say, God, who is it you want me to share about? Who do you want me to do? How do you want me to do it, Lord? Read the word. Pray and let God do the rest. Do your best and let God do the rest. Let's pray. Father God, get her done. Lord Paul got it done. He preached the gospel. When he was kicked out of the city, he went on. When he was stoned, God, you delivered him and you took him back up and he walked out of that city the next day. Lord, we know the supernatural power of God kept his body as those stones were flung at him, God, you softened the blow. For God, he was able to get up and move the next day. That's your supernatural protection. Even though he had to go through the pain and the suffering of being stoned, you were there for him. And Lord, for some, they may feel like they've gone through a week of just getting stoned. Not, things have not gone good at work. Things haven't gone good at home. It's just difficult. God, you have supernatural healing virtue. To bring into our lives when we suffer. For Lord, you suffered on the cross of Calvary for us. And Lord, we say we want to be like you because Christian means Christ-like. But Lord, we don't want to do the suffering. And that's our human part. But God, as we suffer, we will also experience your glory. And your glory outshines any suffering that we will ever be involved in. So, Holy Spirit, reveal your word to our hearts. And may our hearts dwell upon the word, and may our lives be changed for the glory of God. Thank you, Father God, for helping us and loving us. And thank you, Lord, for the strength and the endurance that you give us when we go through times of suffering. For God, you are greater than our pain. Your anointing and your glory is greater than the suffering we're going through. And we thank you, Lord, for your help and your strength. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you.
Will you stand with me today? You that are home, thank you for taking time. Thank you for praying for the church. Thank you for, for giving your finances to, to the Lord. We're, we're blessed in the midst of struggles. We're blessed in the midst of trials. And there is victory. There is victory that follows trials. There is triumph that follows trials. God is bigger than anything that we will ever face in life. And only through him can we have peace and discernment on how to live a life. So God, thank you. Thank you for helping our church family today. And may the blessings of God rule and reign in your heart and in your life. And may the healing virtue of God be manifested in your body and in your mind and in your everyday life. May God show up in Jesus' name. Grant Lord. Amen. The altars are open.